You are listening to ReachMD, XM233, the channel for medical professionals. U.S. government polls found that Iraqi support for U.S. forces fell from 63% to 9% upon the release of the photographs of abuse at Abu Ghraib. Upon seeing the photographs, my guest today asked, where were the prison doctors while the abuses were taking place? His search for an answer resulted in his book, Oath Betrayed. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and joining me from Minneapolis, Minnesota, is Dr. Stephen Miles, author of Oath Betrayed, Torture, Medical Complicity, and the War on Terror. Dr. Miles is an expert in medical ethics, human rights, and international health care. He is a professor of medicine at the University of Minnesota Medical School and a practicing physician. Welcome, Dr. Miles. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Dr. Miles, let's talk about silence and loyalty in the military versus directives to report abuse. You know, every institution, every medical institution that doctors work in, whether it's an HMO or occupational health or anything else, works better if the physicians take their professionalism seriously. Ultimately, a drug company is not well served if the physicians in-house agree to suppress uh, side effects and that eventually comes to light, or an HMO is not well served if a doctor holds uh, a treatment in order to save money. And similarly, in these military prisons, the doctors are really frontline human rights monitors. Either they see abuses or because of our training we can recognize that abuse has occurred and the responsibility to report that abuse so that it stops is a part of medical professionalism. Many knew of the abuses that were occurring at Abu Ghraib prison yet they held their silence. Why? Part of it was peer pressure and part of it was that they did not get support up the chain of command for reporting abuses. That is that when the chain of command received reports of abuses, the investigations tended to be perfunctory, uh, at least until the Abu Ghraib pictures came out, and they often exonerated the abusers. Do you think that those explanations go for the medical personnel that were there as well? Yes, and some of the very low-level medical professionals, uh, for example, the medics, bonded very tightly with their units and felt that they really were uh, soldiers first rather than health professionals first. What were organizations like the Red Cross and others saying about the treatment of prisoners at Abu Ghraib and elsewhere before the scandal became public? The International Committee, the Red Cross, and other human rights organizations were reporting grave concern about these abuses. Of course, the International Committee of the Red Cross can only report to the host government itself but other human rights organizations were reporting extensive patterns of abuse. The government response was to limit access of the Red Cross to increasing numbers of prisons as a way to decrease the number of reports, and that's why it was important for the doctors to make sure that the human rights information got out. Was there enough evidence in those reports before the release of the photos to make a case for torture at Abu Ghraib and elsewhere? Yes, there was. There were reports, really well-done reports, that came out nine months before the Abu Ghraib pictures uh, suggesting that there was a serious problem, not only in Abu Ghraib, but also in a uh, U.S.-run prison at uh, Bagram and two years earlier at a place called the uh, Salt Pit, which was a CIA facility in Afghanistan. If there was enough documentation to prove the abuses beforehand, why did it take photographs to bring the abuse to light? Because 
the public and the media react to photographs in a way that they don't react to text, that the photographs brought forward in a salient way, in, a, in an emotionally gripping way, uh, something which mere text could not. It's interesting, for example, that when the uh, report of the investigation of Abu Ghraib came out, the report received absolutely no attention because, ironically, the media was focused on another photograph, and that was the photograph of a wardrobe malfunction at a Super Bowl. Is there a reason to assume that the abuses went further than what we saw in the photographs released to the public? Yes, the abuses uh, happened at at least uh, 20 prisons in Iraq and at least a half a dozen facilities in Afghanistan, plus the uh, Guantanamo complex. And they took place at least over a two-year period it's very hard to read the current status of prisons right now because it takes so long to declassify documents and the access to these prisons is still incomplete. If you've just joined us, you're listening to Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest is Dr. Stephen Miles, author of Oath Betrayed, Torture, Medical Complicity, and the War on Terror. Dr. Miles, what do you make of the overall positive report that was produced by Major General Donald Ryder in his review of prisons in Iraq while the Abu Ghraib abuses were ongoing? Well, beginning with the report by General Taguba, who was uh, the first person who did the uh, Abu Ghraib report, there was an attempt by the military to suppress the reports of human rights abuses. The Ryder report was an extremely optimistic Sunnyside report. However, if you look carefully at that report, what you can see is that there were reports that the mental health care and the uh, physical care was uh, way below standard, including in the area of uh, public health and sanitation. But the Ryder report did not look at the issue of human rights abuses at all and essentially praised the armed forces. Was it a member of the medical staff who finally blew the whistle at Abu Ghraib? No, actually it was a uh, working soldier, a guy by the name of Darby. And what he did was, you know, the pictures that we call the Abu Ghraib pictures, many of them were actually screensavers inside the prison. And so that they really, they weren't being shared uh, privately among soldiers, but in fact, people had to click through them in order to do their work at their computers. He was horrified by these pictures, and so what he did was he downloaded them to a CD, and then he anonymously slipped the CD under the investigators' doors. Well, the problem with the investigators now was that they had something that they couldn't ignore because they didn't know how many copies of the CD there were, and they also had no clue as to whether this stuff was being shot out through the Internet. And so at that point, a formal investigation for the first time of the pattern of abuses at Abu Ghraib got started. Have you followed the backlash against that soldier who turned in the pictures? Yes, he uh, received a uh, John F. Kennedy uh, Freedom Award, which was a legacy of Kennedy's uh, Profiles in Courage book. At the same time, he received uh, numerous death threats, uh, had to leave the service, and is uh, now living in uh, the private sector. How involved were the medical personnel in the abuses at Abu Ghraib? Multiple kinds of abuses. First off, when prisoners die, one of the requirements of the Geneva Convention is that a report, a death certificate, and possibly an autopsy report or an inquest be conducted, and that the death certificate be released to an international body such as the Red Cross. The reason for this is that the death of a prisoner can be an indication of neglect or abuse within a prison. 
the Armed Forces Institute of Pathology had a system by which they delayed finalized dating on the death certificates. And so these death certificates were essentially stuck in a file without being promptly disclosed. There were numerous reports of uh, homicides of prisoners by beatings, including one guy whose legs were pulpified, where the uh, death certificate uh, was delayed before it came out. And this allowed the Army to claim that these people were dying of natural causes. So that's one chunk of medical complicity. The second relates to this uh, entire problem of medical involvement in designing a course of interrogation plans. The third area relates to the issue of the medical system essentially going along with a standard of medical care which did not meet Geneva's standards. For example, tuberculosis is endemic in POW facilities so much so that even in 1954, when the Geneva Conventions were written, physicians and the prison system was required to screen prisoners for TB to isolate those who had TB to prevent its spread through the general prison population. None of that was done. How do you think the medical personnel could have taken action, given the culture of the prison and of the military? Number one, at the top command level, they could have had a, an abuse reporting system and abuse reporting definitions, which they did not have. And the Army Surgeon General concluded that that piece needed to be fixed at the command level. Second, the professionals should have functioned as in the way that they always function. That is, when I do a death certificate or when any physician does a death certificate, they ensure that that is promptly filed. And if an organization, say coroner's office releases an incorrect statement of how a person died, uh, then I have to consider uh, whether or not I have a duty to go public to correct a misleading public impression that's been created by that report. Number three, physicians simply have to recognize that they do have a duty to prevent the abuse of prisoners. And uh, if that means going outside the cha a non-responsive chain of command to report uh, publicly, then so be it. And in fact, that is the standard that we have asked physicians in other countries, such as Turkey or Egypt or Chile or the so former Soviet Union, to do. We have said that those physicians, when those systems are abusing, should not cooperate and indeed uh, should be cooperating with human rights organizations to help bring these abuses to a close. You mentioned that it's difficult to know what's going on right now in these prisons. Is there any evidence that conditions at Abu Ghraib or other less high-profile facilities have improved? I think that the situation at Guantanamo probably has improved with regard to the uh, decreased level of violence against the prisoners. That being said, there are issues, uh, as you know, about uh, due process in the hearings and so forth. At Abu Ghraib as well, I think that the level of violence has improved. It's very hard to read the situation in uh, small forward prisons. With regard to Afghanistan, places a black box because so much of it's under control of CIA or special forces. And then probably the highest level of abuse currently is in these rendition prisons where we have taken, oh, perhaps uh, 100 to 150 uh, people and put them in countries like Uzbekistan or Morocco or Syria where they're being held under CIA control but where the uh, level of abuse is known to be very high, and nothing is known about those persons' welfare. In the process of writing your book, have you been able to answer your own question, where were the doctors and the nurses? Yes, I have. And frankly, what I expected to find was 
that they had done their job and that their uh, efforts on behalf of the prisoners had been suppressed. And to my enormous disappointment and in a break with previous U.S. military history, what happened was that the physicians were complicit in concealing deaths by torture, and uh, physicians and psychologists uh, were complicit in the design of uh, highly coercive and abusive interrogation plans. And uh, I think this is an enormous step backwards for uh, military medicine. It is a breach of our tradition. It doesn't match my experience with the U.S. military personnel. And it really endangers physicians around the world who are working on anti-torture movements because the guiding light of the United States human rights movement uh, in military medicine has been greatly dimmed. Thank you for listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on Reach MD XM233, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Kathleen Margolin, and my guest has been Dr. Stephen Miles, author of Oath Betrayed, Torture, Medical Complicity, and the War on Terror. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Miles. Thank you. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com. Thank you for listening.